2: to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing Spartan Exposure, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Dave Verenke. I will be your host as usual for the next hour. As always, my lovely co-host Megan to my left. Megan, how you doing on this glorious Monday?
1: I mean, I'm out of work, so I'm happy. Happy? <laughs> yeah.
2: Good to hear. Uh, did you have a good weekend? I know you said you worked a lot.
1: I worked all weekend. My family went up north and I was just chilling. My hometown, working at a golf course all weekend, working doubles. So, I mean, it was fine. Other than that,
2: <laughs> well, that's good. Got to make that money, right? Right. But um, no, good to hear that. And uh, We also have uh, another guest on the show today, uh, James Akers. How you doing? I'm doing great. Hey, great to have you on the show. You have a good weekend as well.
3: Of course, I did.
2: Of course, of course, he did. Well, no, that's great to hear. Um, hope everyone out there today is the Fourth of July. So, happy birthday to the great country of. America, um, you know, 235 years old, so a lot older than me. Uh, but, you know, happy 4th uh, of July to everyone out there. Hope everyone's having a good time barbecuing, drinking, whatever you guys are doing out there. Hope you're safe, having a great time. But we don't take breaks. We don't get holidays off here. We always are working. So uh, a lot of sports to get to uh, on this Monday. Uh, we got, we're going to talk about the Tigers and what's going on with them right now. We got the All-Star break right around the corner. We're also going to get to a little Detroit Pistons. Uh, you know, still haven't found a coach yet necessarily. But it looks like they're getting pretty close making a decision. We'll also get to the NBA lockout. Uh, the, uh, the CBA expired. The collective bargaining agreement expired on Thursday night at midnight. So the NBA is in a work stoppage at this point. So we will get into that. We'll also, touch a little bit about the Red Wings, some of the signings they've made recently. We you know we got Wimbledon for you. Megan's got NASCAR. We got it all. Don't forget the phone number, 517 432 3893. You can call an all show about whatever you want. Uh, we will talk about it. But uh, we are going to start off with the Detroit Tigers. And uh, the Detroit Tigers right now are sitting a half game back in the central standings. They're 45 and 40, just a half game behind Cleveland, who is sitting at 44 and 38. Chicago White Sox right there on our heels, three and a half games back. of The Cleveland Indians, almost five hundred, forty-two 42 and 43. Minnesota sitting seven and a half games back of Cleveland. And KC really starting to fall out of the mix completely 11 games back. Really not doing too well. Uh, taking a look at the Tigers here, you want to look back to last week. They played their makeup game on Monday night against the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, nice win, four to two. Got that game going. Then we got back to interleague play starting on Tuesday. Had a series with the New York Mets at home. Then we had a series with the San Francisco Giants at home. And just like a lot of interleague had been going, um, not too well. Uh, the Tigers, up to this point, were five and seven in interleague play. Now they are seven and eleven. Interleague play is over. Thank you. It's never good. Uh, I just don't like it personally. But uh, if you look at the Mets series, it took two tough losses. Got abused Tuesday and Wednesday. Lost fourteen to three on Tuesday with Porcello on the mound. Wednesday losing sixteen to nine with Coke on the mound. Uh, Porcello and Coke really struggling. The Mets scoring thirty runs in two games, absolutely demolishing us. Porcello only went three and two thirds innings, gave up eleven hits, seven earned earned runs on Tuesday, and on Wednesday Coke was just lit up as well. Four innings, ten hits, eight runs, seven earned runs for that. So uh, really just absolutely abused by the Mets' offense in these games. Thursday, though, our gem, Justin Verlander on the mound, of course, Got to win when Justin's on the mound. Detroit took it down 5-2. What's new? Justin doing it again. Always pitching great. Getting it done. And then a tough series against the really hot San Francisco Giants. A team that really doesn't have a lot of offensive capability. Uh, Sandoval. And, you know, probably their best hitter. Freddy Sanchez is on the 15-day DL. Probably one of their other better hitters. Uh, But, you know, they really still had their way with us. Uh, Friday, which was a great game. Uh, Tigers lost it 4-3, unfortunately. This was a back-and-forth game. A game of inches. I think has been kind of a comment a lot of people have been mentioning. It was a very close game. We almost got this done. Two runners on, bottom of the ninth, lined out to second. Into a, it was a double play. Sorry, there was only one out, but a really rough, uh, rough loss there. We got to Brian Wilson, which I think a lot of people, you know, don't expect that to happen here. But tough loss on Friday night. Saturday, absolutely slaughtered, fifteen to three. Scherzer going only two innings, giving up nine runs, six earned runs, and six hits. Uh, and this game did have a rain delay for roughly around two hours. Uh unfortunately they did get back to playing this game. Um absolutely messed up in that game. On Sunday, six to three Porcello finally kind of got back into that back into form. He went seven innings, only gave up five hits, three earned runs, had six strikeouts as well. So I mean Megan looking at this team, right now we have about a week left till the All-Star break. Monday through Wednesday we're gonna be at LA playing the Angels, and then Thursday through Sunday we'll be at Kansas City do you think how important is it for this team to end before the all-star break on a really positive note after struggling in their interleague play?
1: They have to end on a positive. note. that's a definite for sure. Um, with, our losses we've had the past few losses we've had especially against the Mets. You know they scored 30 runs within two games against us. Which yeah, really. Is unheard of for the rest of the season. I mean we did struggle at the beginning of the year, but it was nothing like that game, those games.
2: Not getting knocked around like no, that. No,
1: and they need to end it on a positive note, just so when they have the All Star break, they can come back and start off hopefully on a positive note. And mm-hmm. they end on a negative note, they're going to be like done. Could I, get
2: to them a little mentally. Yeah,
1: I think so. I don't think they'd be done, but if, per yeah. se, say, but I, I think they um. They, they really need to end on a positive note, and we really need to, you know, knock, knock this out of the park if we want to get Knock it, it out is. of the park. Nice little pun there. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, no, they really it's, – it's very, very important, I think, for the team. Um, we have been struggling the past few weeks. We've had some good wins, but we've had some super bad losses.
2: Yeah, I completely and, agree.
1: And – you know, ending out a positive note is definitely something they need to do.
2: Very good. Uh, James, I mean, obviously kind of the same question. I mean, do you think if the Tigers do struggle here against the angels, the angels have been playing quite well. They're eight and two in their last 10 games, um, you know, tied right now in the AL West with the uh, Texas Rangers. Um, KC obviously really struggling, but even KC has given us issues over the years, whether they're good or bad, you know, can the Tigers right the ship here? They're only a half game back. I mean, I'm not trying to talk like this team is out of contention or they're falling back way out of it. But at the same time, that mental thing, how good do
3: the Tigers need to do in these next two series? I think they need to do great. Um, we've got to win both series. We need to go into the all-star game and uh, give our give ourselves an opportunity at some confidence, which we are lacking right now due to starting pitching. Um, the Angels game is, or the Angels series is going to be tough overall. They yes. have good pitching, they have good players. They're like you said, they are playing well. I'm not too worried about Kansas City. I don't see any reason why we cannot sweep that series or win
2: three or four. Hopefully, right? yeah. So
3: if we can, if we can get out of the series with the Angels with one loss, I mean, it, we're going to put ourselves in a good position before the All Star break.
2: No, definitely. And yeah, um, that series uh, against the Angels, that is starting off tonight at 9.05. And uh, this is something we also need to get to. Uh, Charlie Furbush, who has been uh, more of a, you know, he's come in as relief. He's come in just, uh, you know, really to help us out at times. He's only pitched 21 in uh, two-thirds innings, uh, 12 games he's played this year. But he's getting the start tonight. And that is because Phil Coke has just not figured it out uh, really in any way. Like I said, uh, Phil Coke on Wednesday against the Mets gave up, you know, 10 hits Seven earned runs in four innings. He's one in eight on the season right now. He has a 491 ERA with a 1.48 whip. He's just not playing well. And uh, I think everyone's been questioning what. What are we going to do with that? And Charlie Fur- Furbush is the answer. Uh, here's a quote from Jim Leland saying, quote, I don't know what's going to happen with Furbush, but I know right now it just wasn't working with Phil, end quote. Uh, Phil Coke most likely will be, he's going to be moved to middle relief, 6th, 7th inning type middle relief. Uh, they say that he will most likely be available starting on Saturday. So, uh, Megan, you know, with Charlie Furbush, I mean, this kid, he's got a two four nine ERA this season with the Tigers, one point two nine WHIP. He's really, he's really played quite well when he's come in for us. Um, obviously, I completely agree. Leland needed to do this. Do you think Furbush? could be that guy to take over that fifth that fifth role.
1: I mean, Furbush, we've known as a relief pitcher. Yes. And so, obviously, a starting pitcher is going to be a whole new thing for him. And mm-hmm. it's something he's going to have to get used to. I don't expect him to come out tonight and be the answer to our prayers, you know? Okay. I, don't, yes. I don't expect him to come out and do the best he can. If he does, that's extremely impressive, I feel like. And I, I think... If he does that, yeah, I I think it's the best move, and as of right now, you know how I feel about Phil Coke, and he just really proved it to me on Wednesday. I was actually at that game, and everyone around me screaming, get him out of the game, get him out of the game. It's just, it was just an embarrassing, you know, start for us, and... I, I think as of right now, yeah, I think it was the right move. He has been doing very well. I have watched him with relief and with his ERA and everything. I mean, what did Coke have, like a four-point? Coke's
2: almost had five ERA. Yeah, and yep.
1: it's that's if you look at that, it's a little statistic, but it's a huge difference.
2: It's it's a, it's a big statistic.
1: Yeah, and I, as of right now, I see it as a very good move for us. Um, we'll see how he does tonight and everything because, yeah, middle relief and starting is a whole different thing. And so we'll see if that starting position is for him.
2: No, I agree, and that's and that was my question mark. I mean, I've talked about it with my friends, and we you know we've all been discussing this, you know, because Furbush, when he has come in, he's pitched like three or four innings most of the time, and he's done very well. Uh, but again, three or four innings is not what you want out of a starter. It is a different role. It's a different type of game. Okay, To come in at the start of the game rather than the third, fourth, fifth inning is a lot different. And uh, we really will see what Furbush is made of. Uh, he's going against uh, P- uh, Panero tonight, uh, who has been struggling. He's only 3-3 three and three on the year. Um, he's not doing that great. Did a lot better last year with St. Louis. Uh, we will see how they do, though. The Tigers historically don't do well when they go out to the West Coast. It is not a place where the Tigers have a lot of, su- a lot of success. So It's going to be very interesting to see how this team does against L.A., a team that's vying for that spot, the top division spot in the AL West. And, again, they have been playing very well recently. So that series, again, 9 o'clock tonight is going to be your start time for that. They'll also play tomorrow at 10, and then you'll have an afternoon game on Wednesday. So talking about pitching, though, here's a little stat for all of you stat lovers out there regarding Tigers pitching. The Tigers team right now, is uh, Team ERA, is 4.41, which is 12th out of 14th in the American League. So, not good at all. And they are fifth worst in the entire League of Baseball with ERA. They are not pitching well as a team. Their bullpen also is not pitching well either. Their bullpen with a 495 ERA is 13th out of 14 teams in the American League. Not good. Okay, not good at all. These are things that, I mean, All the whole month of June has been an issue for our starting pitchers. You exempt Verlander from this, a combined, all the rest of our four starters, 6.02 earn run average since June 1st. That's exempting Justin Verlander. That is terrible. Okay, that is not going to get it done. And when you give up 51 runs in this five-game stretch this past weekend, that's a joke. Okay, that is a joke. Hockey teams could maybe score. I mean, that's a that's a crazy stat to see that, that that is how much it's been given up. That is not good, and that is why on after Sunday's win, uh, you know, again, a nice bounce-back win. You did not want to get swept at home. Borcello did his job, but Dembrowski made a decision, fired pitching coach Rick Knapp. Rick Knapp, who's been with the ball club since 2008, used to be in the minor leagues with the Minnesota Twins, is gone. He has been fired. Dembrowski says, quote, I think we are in a position where we have a chance to win. Okay? And he says, uh, you know, right now we need to, you know, take that to the fullest. End quote. And that's what it is. Dombrowski knows that him and Leland's jobs are, un- are in the hot seat, basically. And if you don't figure out your starting pitching, no matter how well your hitting's going, it doesn't matter. Uh, James, with how this team has been pitching, now Justin's done a great job. Scherzer's had his moments, without a doubt. Porcellos had good games. Did Rick Knapp need to get fired so abruptly? Because even Jim Leland says, in his whole career, he has never had a coach under with him fired in the middle of the season, ever. And, I mean, this is a
3: guy who's had a storied 40-year career. Do you think it was the right move? I'm not too sure it was the right move. Um, I, I feel like it's showing the rest of the league that we're in kind of a panic. Okay. Um, it puts us in a position where um, people know now that we need starting pitching. Um, come trade deadline and all of that, Uh Teams could take advantage of that. I also think that it doesn't help our confidence. We're looking for confidence right now, and lacking it due to the horrible losses, just getting beaten down by teams. Um, I'm not sure that it is good for those reasons. Uh-huh. The only reason I could argue that it is a good decision is to send a message saying that you know we're not going to. Let... They started off so well, you know, and they've slipped now. Yeah. The pitching. So I, I could see it as a message saying we're not going to continue to let this slip. You know, we're going to do something about it and. You, know, you need to provide.
2: Yeah, I mean, you definitely do. And I think it's uh, it's not just the starters, and that's the thing with this, is that the starters have struggled, but we've seen Daniel Schler give up two grand slams, okay, you know, in the series against the Mets. It, it hasn't just been starters. It's been the bullpen. Albuquerque now on the 15-day DL, which really hurts us. Um, you know, these types of things, it's not you can look at, well, Porcello struggling, Coke struggling. It's more of a all-around team pitching struggling. You can't look at one guy and say, well, he's the reason. Okay, it's really the whole team. I mean, I, I know it seemed it seemed it a little abrupt, but it probably was the right move. Um, I did like Rick, Rick Knapp, but, you know, Jeff Jones, who was the bullpen coach, he's been with the organization since 1989. He's going to fill in as the pitching coach. Man's been with the ball club for 22 years. The good, the bad, and the ugly. This guy's been here. So, I mean, personally, I can't say if it's a good move yet or not. We'll see what happens. Uh, you have to see what happens with the pitching. Do these guys figure it out? Is Furbush the right fit? He might be, he might not. I've always liked Phil Coke better in middle relief. He had to get a shot there at the starter. I understand that. Um, But, you know, Megan, do you think that the Tigers can turn this around with Jeff Jones and getting rid of Rick Nett? Maybe just a new face, a new voice. You know, sometimes players need that. Do you think maybe that can get them going?
1: We can only hope. There's Mm -hmm. only so many things we can do. Um, I mean, if getting rid of the coach and getting a new one isn't going to help, I'm going to have to put a lot of the blame on the pitchers. Uh Um, Obviously, they're not up to their fullest potential and the potential they should be. But yeah, I think as of right now, getting a new coach and getting someone in there, a new face, a new voice, a new strategy, a new guy to tell them how they should do and what they should be doing is, I think, a good thing for them right now. Because we've seen... We've seen closers struggle, we've seen middle-release struggle, we've seen starters struggle, we've seen it all over the boards, and especially our starters, and the starters is where it all begins. Because if we have crappy starters, who says we're going to have good middle relief? Who says we're going to have good closers? That yeah. kind of thing. And so I think if we can start that way and work our way down to the closers, um, I think it'll be a good thing. And I think getting a new coach is definitely going to help.
2: Well, I, I hope so too. Um, you know, here's one thing I do want to mention: is the fact that you know you have guys like Brad Penny who just came to this team. You know, we've had guys that you know young guys like Porcello who's been with Rick Knapp ever since he's came to the team. You do wonder if changing the structure there with certain guys. Could even mess them up. You know, now you're working with a new pitching coach. Uh, Here's a quote from Brad Penny regarding the situation of Rick Knapp being fired. He says, quote, I don't think anything about this is a good situation. A man lost his job. Um, You know, he has been through this once before in Florida when the Marlins fired their pitching coach in May and went on to win the World Series. I mean, it's tough. We pitch bad, coaches get fired. We play bad, managers get fired. They blame it on people, and it's not necessarily their fault. Somebody's got to take the fall, and in reality, we are responsible for it, end quote. That is the nature of the beast, though. I think in all sports, whatever it is, a team doesn't make it further enough in the playoffs, you're not getting rid of Dwight Howard, you're not getting rid of you know Jay Rich, you're getting rid of Stan Van Gundy, or you're getting rid of Mike Woodson when the Hawks get swept again in the second round of the playoffs. That's what it is. The coaches do take the brunt of it, the managers take the brunt of it, and that's part of the game. Is it fair? Of course not. But uh, sometimes it has to be done. I just hope the guys that have been under NAP for this period of time that maybe did enjoy him, obviously Justin Verlander, he's not struggling. Uh, under Rick Knapp. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Looking at the Chicago White Sox and the Cleveland Indians real fast. The White Sox have three, uh, three games at home against KC. And then four games at home against the Minnesota Twins before they get to the All-Star break. Looking at Cleveland, they'll be playing three games at home against the Yankees. And then four games at home against the Blue Jays. So the Indians definitely are going to be having a much tougher time to close out before the All-Star break. Yankees leading the AL East at this time. And the Blue Jays with Jose Batista, only two games under 500, always playing pretty good baseball. So hopefully we can see those teams struggle because uh, the Tigers are going to need a few wins here. I like to see him get the division lead before the All-Star break. And again, Thursday through Sunday we're going to be at Kansas City. So that is your next week. Then we have the All-Star game. And that is what I want to get to right now is just talk a little bit about the All-Star game. They announced uh, the starting lineups for the American League and the National League. So uh, let's delve into that a little bit. Tigers got a lot of love when it comes to the All-Star game. Uh, Alex Avila, who will be the starting catcher for the American League. Adrian Gonzalez from Boston will be the first baseman. Robbie, Robinson Cano will be at second from the New York Yankees. Alex Rodriguez will be at third from the New York Yankees. Derek Jeter will be at shortstop from the New York Yankees. Um, after that, we'll have Jose Batista, Curtis Granderson, and Josh Hamilton in the outfield. Another Yankee in there in Curtis Granderson. You'll have David Ortiz at the DH. Uh, real fast at the National League, Brian McCann will be at catcher, Prince Fielder at first, Ricky Weeks at second, Polanco, our boy Polanco at third, Jose Reyes at shortstop, Lance Berkman, Ryan Braun, Matt Kemp in the outfield, and those are your starters. So real fast, James, you hear the starters, uh, you know what's going on with you know that. Who got snubbed in your mind?
3: Well, um, I would say Johnny Peralta for sure. Uh, my argument that I had stated earlier was that uh, – if you look at the numbers, Osdruble Cabrera put up great numbers this season uh, at shortstop um, compared to what he's put up in the past. But overall, I feel like Johnny Peralta has put up better numbers in a, in a worse situation. He changed from second base back to shortstop, his original position, and put up great numbers. That's not an easy transition to make. Um, V Mart, but well, I mean, to get in,
2: yeah, because you have yeah, Jeter starting at shortstop. Is Drupal will be he's the reserve, right? So yeah, so yeah, you
3: think the so the he, snub is in uh, is Drupal getting the reserve spot, right. rather than Pralts? Okay, right. That's that's what I was uh, saying. Um, I also think that C um, C Sabathia not making it in was was a bit of a surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, one that he is a Yankee and Yankees get votes. Yeah, I mean, you look how many Yankees I just mentioned. He's played great. He's you know. Not his typical season, but still a great season. He knows how to make, you know, he knows how to create a situation where they're going to win. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I think CeCe
2: Sabathia is a very solid pitcher. It's surprising that he did not get in as well. Um, I really thought, I mean, you know, like a lot of people say, this guy's not flashy. He's not going to strike out a lot, but he's going to be your workhorse. He's going to go deep in games. He's going to win games. And, uh, yeah, it is surprising. Maybe eventually, like, we can't have every Yankee in the All-Star game. I mean, there were a lot of Yankees in the all game. A lot of the times, deservedly so. Uh, Mark Teixeira, a guy that I personally believe got snubbed, um, having an amazing season. Um, unfortunately, he did not make it. I don't like Mark Deshera, but I still think he was deserved of going uh, to the All-Star game. Um, just in general, I mean, it's tough to say. Adrian Gonzalez is having a miraculous season. The guy's got 16 home runs, 74 RBIs. He's batting three fifty right now. So, And then you have Miguel Cabrera. It's a really tough spot at first. Yeah. I mean, it, there's just so much talent at first, place, at first base that, you know, what are you going to do? Um, you know, Megan, are you are you happy with all the Tigers that made it? I mean, you got Verlander, obviously Valverde, you know Alex Avila, and uh, also who am I? Why am I forgetting someone? Victor, not Victor. Who's the other guy?
1: Did you say Cabrera?
2: Uh, no, I didn't. There's Cabrera. <laughs> I
1: was like, wow, forgetting the obvious one. <laughs> but
2: uh, you know, do you think uh, you know the Tigers got the just do?
1: I think the best that should have been there are they. Uh huh. Honestly, um, Cabrera, obviously he's a given. As you said, Verlander, they're saying, is the best pitcher of, at this time right now. Just about. Uh, yeah, and they're, uh, Avila, well-deservedly earned. He's a great catcher, and he's been doing phenomenal. The biggest surprise, I think, out of the Tigers, out of all of them this year. And then you said Va- our Valverde? Yeah, Valverde. Great closer.
2: Great closer. Hasn't I, blown I, I, a you save yet.
1: I think even if he, like, if he was decent, if he goes to the All-Star game, he has... The I want to say like the emotion for it, like you throw that guy in there, that would be the greatest ending to the just All-star. some leg All-star kicks, game. some good stuff. Oh yeah, <laughs> he would have people I think pretty excited about it.
2: <laughs> no, I, I mean I agree. I, I mean I'm I'm personally very happy. Uh, people have also said with Derek Jeter that you know just because of you know he did have that aggravating hamstring, uh, you know pull, he might not even play. He probably will, but he might not, and that could move. You know, as Drupal up to, you know, shortstop and, you know, put Peralta in the reserve spot. So that is still possible. Um, voting is going on for the final spot um, until Thursday at 4 p.m. Uh, there is one spot left. Uh, many of the people are voting. I mean, uh, you know, Paul Canerco, guys like Johnny Peralta, Andrew McCutcheon of the, you know, Pirates, uh, Phillies' Ryan Howard, again, CC Sabathia that you mentioned. These are among the names of people that did not get in. But there is one spot left. Victor Martinez also. People are quite passionate about this guy who's had a fantastic season.
3: <clears throat> Excuse me. So out of those names, uh, James, who do you think should get it? Uh, well, I, pers- I did a vote earlier, and I personally <laughs> voted Victor Martinez in for our league, and for the other league I voted in, I believe it was Todd Helton. Oh, uh, Todd, put, Todd Helton. Both having great seasons, putting up great numbers, and uh, one just happens to uh, previously have been a Tiger, and the one is currently a Tiger. Yes.
2: I mean, uh, out of those names, Megan, uh, who, who'd you put in? You got Canerco, Martinez, and can't be biased about it. Uh, Sabathia, McCutcheon, or Ryan Howard. I mean, obviously, this is AL and NL, but I mean, who would you take?
1: How can I not be biased? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a big Tigers fan, and uh, yeah, Victor Martinez is fantastic, and I think he still has, does he still have the highest batting average on the Tigers? Right yeah, now? he's
2: batting .333, um, Miguel is batting .328, mm-hmm. um, you know, Victor Martinez has six home runs, 46 RBIs, um, the guy's, you know, tw- he's drawn 22 walks, um, you know, he's done a great job, he's only struck out 27 times as well, guy does not strike out a lot, he'll, he'll hit the ball regardless, so... I mean, I love Victor. Uh, I know you said you voted for him 400 times, James. So, I mean, keep up the voting. Yes. You got to keep that up. I like that. 400 votes, not bad at all. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there are – and the thing is, is that with any All-Star game, this is what we all talk about always, snubs, who didn't get in, blah, blah, blah. Point being, there's always going to be a snub. There's always going to be a few stubs, especially when you have – I think this season especially, you've seen a lot of guys with great numbers. Numbers uh, and from guys that you didn't expect, the guys like Peralta, like you said, even guys like Victor Martinez after coming off the DL, having a great season. And it's really tough, again, when guys got like Adrian Gonzalez, Miguel Cabrera. How can you put Mark Teixeira in? Because no matter what, Gonzalez and Cabrera are better, right? And they've had better seasons. Okay, and that's why it's tough. Even CC Sabathia, eleven and four, three hundred five ERA. I mean, it's tough. It's just tough to say. Um, unfortunately, we are not going to see uh, Justin Verlander pitching in the All Star game. Um, it won't happen. Uh, he he will be there as a ceremonial type role. Um, Because Major League Baseball rules, they uh, prohibit starting pitchers for working in the All-Star game on one day's rest. And Verlander will be scheduled to start in Sunday's game against Kansas City, so he will not pitch in the All-Star game. Um, The only thing, and I didn't even know this until today, um, the only cool thing that I guess would have had him start was that it would have been the third time um, in Tigers history that we would have had a starting pitcher and a starting catcher. Pitch in the All-Star game, which would have been pretty cool. Um, the only other times that has happened with Kenny Rogers and Pudge Rodriguez five years ago, and we also had Denny Macklin and Bill Freehan do it in 1966. So that kind of would have been cool. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what the AL does here in the All-Star game because not only is Justin Verlander unavailable, but you're going to have Felix Hernandez and James Shields unavailable because they're going to be pitching on Sunday as well. Oh, wow. So kind of puts Ron Washington in a spot to say – well, where are we, what do we, cause AL, I mean, this is an all-star game. You need to win. Okay. This isn't the NBA where it's, you know, just, you know, a bunch of NBA jams type basketball, hockey, 12 to 10, you know, this is important. This is for home field in the world series. It means something. So that basically leaves you a Josh Beckett, leaves you a David Price, um, these kind of guys. So, I mean, I guess Josh Beckett or David Price, who do you take there as a start?
3: I mean, I like them both. They're both great pitchers. Uh, a little bias, I guess, due to the fact that uh, Price is on my fantasy. I mean, he's got great <laughs> numbers, though. So I would have to probably go with Price. Just <coughs> okay. No, I mean, I, I, I mean, Josh Beckett's had a heck of a season. Yeah, he performs better in the playoffs. He does. I, I could
2: see him. I could see him doing well there. Um, I just, I just hope Ron, Ron Washington's a fantastic manager, and I think he'll be able to figure it out. Um, there's nothing you could do about you know three uh, fantastic pitchers all pitching on Sunday. Uh, it is what it is. But um, real fast, a little quick love to some ex-Tigers. Matt Joyce, um, who, jeez, this guy, um, he's playing absolutely phenomenal this season. Um, you know, he's on the Tampa Bay Rays now. He's made it to the All-Star Game as a starter. So congratulations to uh, Matt Joyce there. Uh, Matt Joyce, who's just been playing fantastic this season. Um, as well, Curtis Granderson made the All-Star Game with the uh, New York Yankees. Pl- uh, Placido Polanco with the Phillies now. And Jair Jurgens uh, with the Braves. So we got some ex-Tigers getting some love here um, at the All-Star Game this weekend. Uh, Not this weekend, but next week. And uh, so everyone knows what's going on there. On July 11th, you are going to have batting practice at 6 p.m. The Home Run Derby will take place at 8 p.m. And then you'll have your All-Star Legends and Celebrity Softball game at 10 p.m. Um, looking at July 12th, which will be the All Star Game. All Star Game kicks off at 8 p.m. and the final votes again for that final, the final roster spots. Voting takes place at MLB.com, ladies and gentlemen. Ends 4 p.m. Thursday. So if you want Victor in there, then you better vote uh, because there's going to be a lot of guys. I mean, James already got. James is doing his job. He's got 400 votes in. So unless you can match that, you're not a true fan. No, I'm kidding. That's fine. But no, uh, yeah, votes, MLB.com, final roster spot. That'll be 4 p.m. But uh, we are going to take a quick break here on the Spartan Sports Wrap. When we get back, we're going to be talking a little uh, basketball, a little Pistons news, talk a little about the uh, collective bargaining agreement that did expire on Thursday night. We're going to get to some wing signings, some uh, team uh, the players that the Wings picked up. Like I said, we got Wimbledon, Joey Chestnut eating some hot dogs. We got it all. This is a Spartan Sports Wrap on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. You're listening to
0: Impact Exposure. We've just received word of an invasion. Speak quickly, maggot. Is it those Canadians again? I don't know, sir. We just heard that Monday at 8 p.m. The Impact will be invaded. You stupid ninny. That's the Asian Invasion. It's the poppiest, catchiest, and all-around toe-tappingest tapping music out of the Korea, Japan, and China. What, sir, I'm no good with Asian dialects. Shut up and listen to the music, Private. That catchy beat knows no language barrier. Now move out, everyone. Sir, yes, sir. The Asian Invasion. Monday nights from 8 till 10 on I'm- The Impact. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week.
1: Thursday nights from 10 until 2 a.m. Listen to the Hours of Power, the scariest and only metal show in the mid-Michigan area.
0: Only on Impact Primetime.
1: Now back to
0: Impact Exposure. Exposure.
2: Welcome back to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. Uh, Lots to get to uh, here. Got a half hour left. Uh, Dave, Megan, and James here with you. Don't forget the phone number, 517-432-3893 is the number. Phone lines are open all show. Call in about whatever you want. Uh, We were talking about the Detroit Tigers, the All-Star break. So if you have any opinions or comments on that, Give us a call. Uh, here's just a little quick uh, blurb about uh, MSU. Uh, Keith Appling uh, did a great job of helping uh, the U.S. Uh, World Championships team uh, continue on. Uh, Appling had six points and two rebounds in just 10 minutes to help uh, Team USA win 83-54 to over Canada in the FIBA uh, under-19, 19, uh, 19 or under World Championships that will be played out in Latvia. Um, the U.S. team will play Lithuania on Tuesday. Lithuania, who is three and 3-1. Also, James Bell of Villanova had 16 points and eight boards um, in that win as well. So, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. three points and one of four three-point attempts. Okay, well, he didn't do too much there, I guess. But uh, Keith Appling doing a great job here with the uh, you know team uh, team USA. So, uh, great job for him. Gotta like that, um, Appling. Who uh, you know, I, mean, I remember we talked about it a couple weeks ago. He was one of the him in like the two spots left. He was uh, you know hopefully going to get this spot, and he did. And uh, looks like he's playing well. Um, You know, great to see. I love seeing a kid like that because I love Keith Appling. I just see him playing all summer, playing at that level of uh, competition um, is going to be a really good thing for him coming back because he's going to have a very integral role on this team upcoming season. He's going to have a big role. He's going to need to fill those shoes. No more Kalen Lucas. You know, you're going to have to no more Corey Lucius. So Keith Appling is going to be quite important to this ball club. Uh, let's see. Uh, we do have a phone call actually right now, and uh, I guess we should check the phone lines. <laughs> good plan. Good plan. Yeah. Hey, you're on the Spartan Sports Rep. Sports How's it going?
0: Good.
2: Hey, what's going on, John?
0: Uh, not too much. It, it, I, yeah, I finally got my phone working. It was, it's like uh, I just finally got uh, some minutes on it, so I figured I'd call. Oh, that's good. Yeah.
2: So, uh, what's going on? What do you want to call, talk about?
0: Uh, well, you know, you you referred uh, earlier to the pitching coach getting fired. Yeah, Rick Knapp. and uh, and I think that was the great. It was a great move because you know what? Let's face it. We all have a job to do, and, and you know what? If we can't do the job, if we don't have the respect of the players, so I don't know what it is. But when you tally up that many runs, something has to be done.
2: Well, I definitely agree. I mean, I just, you know, it, it was quite abrupt. I, I know they've been struggling uh, with the pitching, but that was the only thing. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, you've had a lot of guys under him, guys that have had success. Um, the Tigers pitching has struggled, though. So do you think this didn't have any kind of back effect on guys like Brad Penny, Rick Porcello, uh, these type well, of guys?
0: No, they got to know that, you know what, hey, you're being watched, okay? We, you have a boss, okay? And, and, you know, pay me the money, and I could go out there, and I could let these guys score 15, uh, 20 runs, okay? I mean, let's face it. You, we have a job to do if we can't do it then you know it doesn't matter what time of the season it is you know we're out there for one thing and it's to win the pennant okay that's it
2: i agree uh do you think the tigers are going to end this uh week good before the all-star break
0: (sighs) i don't know The, the west coast uh it doesn't look. It, it's never promising. I, I I hope for the best, but I, I'm not seeing it. We'll have to see when the All Star break after that.
2: All right. Well, John, I do appreciate the phone call, and uh, thanks I'm, a lot again. I'm
0: glad my phone is working. Well, thank God.
2: You know, you got to make sure you pay that bill, right? Yeah. There you go. There you go. All right. Take it easy, John. All right. You too. All right. Bye. All
0: right. Bye. Bye.
2: But um, yeah. I mean, just to that. I mean, we'll see. It's uh, you know, with Rick Knapp. Yeah. You know, him getting fired. Uh, you don't know until we see how Jeff Jones steps in and does. But uh, we are going to move on to the Detroit Pistons. Uh, the Detroit Pistons, again, had a second interview with Coach Mike Woodson, uh, former coach for the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, he interviewed with uh, Tom Gores. Uh, he met with Bob Wentworth, Phil Normant. Uh, he were the partners of uh, new owner Tom Gores. And they met on Thursday. Um, they, you know, Still, no comment from Woodson uh, you know, regarding this. Uh, you know. But a second interview, obviously, is a very good sign for any, uh, any prospective coach. Uh, usually, anytime you get a second interview, unless it's at 7-Eleven, um usually a good sign. Uh but uh you know that is a you know it's a good thing. Uh seeing that he did get this second interview really lets me know that they're quite sure they do want to take this guy. Um I did think they make a decision last week. They did not. Uh you know, Mike Woodson was an assistant under Larry Brown during the two thousand four championship run. He was with the Hawks for six seasons, had a fifty-three win season in two thousand nine, two thousand ten, but got fired after being swept in the second round by the Magic. So, James
3: yet again. Do you think Woodson is going to be the guy? Are they going to hire him? He's got to be, uh, like I, like you said, uh, you brought him in for the second interview. If not, you're just wasting your own time. You're wasting his time. I mean, I feel like right now we need to find a decision. The quicker the better. It's going to give us an opportunity to focus on other areas. But uh, he's my guy. If I, if I was in the front office, for sure.
2: Okay. I mean, I agree too. I just, I, I just hope the. They hire him soon enough. Again, the other candidates were Lawrence Frank, who used to coach the New Jersey Nets. Kelvin Sampson, who was an assistant under Milwaukee. Did a lot of college coaching back in his day. Uh, former bad boy Bill Lambier, And Patrick Ewing, uh, who is now the assistant for the Orlando Magic, also had assistant coaching roles with the Washington Wizards and the Houston Rockets. So, uh, again, if you had the second interview, hopefully they get that done soon. A uh, couple other little uh, news around the NBA. J.J. Hickson. I uh, made a, he's uh, basically, uh, he's been dropped from the Cavs. The Cavs uh, let him go, clearing out uh, some space. Uh, they did pick up uh, forward uh, Omri Caspi. I can't even say this guy's name. Uh, they picked up Omri Caspi, got rid of Hickson. Uh, Hickson, who did average almost 14 points and nine rebounds. Um, they just got a large him at the power forward position. So uh, they got rid of him. Also, uh, our boy Shannon Brown, ex-Michigan State player, opted out of his contract with the Lakers. So he has he is an unrestricted free agent at this time. So uh, Shannon Brown is on the market. And uh, definitely a solid, solid player. So uh, I can definitely see someone picking him up soon enough. Celtics also made a qualifying offer to forward Jeff Green. So he's a restricted free agent. That meaning that a team can offer him money and then the Celtics have the option of matching that or letting him go. So we will see what happens with that. Uh, moving on from the Pistons, because that's really, that's all going on there. It's, it's a waiting game. We'll see what happens with the coaching. Um, it will happen, I believe, still soon enough. It will happen. But again, the bigger issue in the NBA, the collective bargaining agreement expired on Thursday night at midnight. And this was a collective bargaining agreement from 2005. And it's basically got the NBA in the same spot that the NFL has been in for the last 110 days or whatever it is. Uh, the NBA right now, looking uh, the situation looking a lot worse than in the NFL. Um, a lot of issues, James, we, you know, we talked about it last week. A lot of contracts, a lot of money on the table. Not, we're not talking revenue necessarily, but we're just talking contracts and a lot more players and a lot more guaranteed contracts is the real thing. So, I mean, James, looking at this issue, I mean, I'm not going to say right now whether I'm on the player side, I'm on the owner side, there's a lot to be worked out here, but just in general, how bad do you see this lockout getting? Are we talking we're missing 20 games? Are we talking we could miss an entire season? Could we have a 1998-type
3: situation here? I think we can. I think it's going to be a lot of games missed. Um, I believe there will be a season, but it's... uh... Right now I feel like the owners are in a position where they really want to let the players know that they're serious that they don't mind losing out on whatever money they might make this year to, you know, restructure the contracts the way they'd like. Uh-huh. And uh, I think it's going to I could say 40 plus games missed. 40 plus games you think, Miss? I mean, Megan, and this is all speculation,
2: but uh, you know, would you be upset would you be upset more if the NFL, let's say, lost four games or if the NBA lost, you know, half of its season? Let's say it lost 40 games. What, As a fan of sports, and, and just maybe and you can even speculate for the general public. Would the general public be more upset to lose four NFL games or to lose half an NBA season?
1: Honestly, I think coming from a perspective of a fan in general, coming from me, I would say football because okay. honestly i don't know uh, even from a fan's perse- per- perspective i'm sorry i have a lot of friends that don't watch basketball because they just don't like the nba mm-hmm. um i feel like football is more of an american sport to me uh that's just honest honest to god opinion um oh, i
2: mean i would say so too definitely
1: yeah and you know and to think about yeah that's half the season in basketball that's pretty brutal at the same time football only has so many games you've miss four games kind of screws up the whole entire oh, yeah.
2: season. I mean, it's a quarter of a season.
1: But yeah, I think coming from a fan's perspective and coming from me, I would say fans would be more upset if football lost four games rather than if basketball lost half the season.
2: And you would personally as well be personally more upset.
1: Personally too, yeah. And you would be personally. I, I watch football all the time in the fall, so.
2: Okay, James, I think I know the answer to this. Uh, but Easily
1: uh,
3: NFL. Easily I mean, NFL. Just, I, you have the buildup of a NFL football game that goes an entire week, sometimes a week in three days, you know? Yeah. Um, that build up alone right there, I mean, it gets people riled up and ready. I mean they wanna watch football. Football is is a very passionate sport in the uh in the US. Um, basketball is also but it's it's faded over the years and I believe that a lot can be accomplished still in half a season when it comes to basketball. It really makes things difficult, uh for players not to get in the groove when it comes to football of playing, you know, training camp, other week and, everything. Yeah. No, I mean, that's
2: true. Uh, just with how short the NFL season is, it's, I mean, we say four games to 40. That's still a quarter of a season to, ha- I mean, a quarter of a season in football is huge. Um, it, that's a ton of money lost. And I think we've talked about it before. I would not care if it was a 60 game or a 42, 45 game NBA season. I think that could add excitement to it. Um, in, in some way. I hope there is a season. One of the main things, one of the big issues going on with this, um, it's, uh, with the work stoppage right now in the NBA is basically the revenue streams from big market teams and small market teams. And this is the real issue. The Lakers just signed a 20-year deal with Time Warner that's worth as much as $3 billion. Okay, $150 million annually in that TV contract. Okay, you want to look at a team like the Sacramento Kings. Not far away they make 11 million dollars a year in their local TV deal. 11 million compared to 150 million. This is the issue. The small market teams not getting an even share of revenue sources, not being able to compete with TV time, not being able to get people to come to their games in a lot of ways. And this is the issue that really, <coughs> excuse me, that really needs to be dealt with because with I mean that is the most gross disparity I've seen in a while. You're talking about I mean obviously the Lakers Pretty much the pinnacle of the NBA and just star power, you know, just, you know, the amount of money they spend. But at the same time, uh, $11 million annually for the Kings is a joke, and that's why they're probably thinking about moving the Kings out of Sacramento, but they did give them one more year. Uh, Another one of the big issues is. You know, like, uh, you know, in this article I'm reading off uh, debtnews.com, they talk about how David Stern has lost a lot of his old owners, old being in quote, the old timers, guys like Bill Davidson, guys that were completely behind David Stern all the time. And, you know, purchase some, you know, when Davidson bought the Pistons, it was for $7 million. It was a different league. It was a different time. You look at new owners these days, guys like Mikhail Prokhorov, who bought the New Jersey Nets. Dan Gilbert of the Cleveland Cavaliers. They even say, you know, Ted Leonis of the Washington Wizards. A lot of these guys that have all spent over $300 million for their teams, taking losses and assuming stadium debt most likely. They also are deserved of, you know, not, you know, not being, you know, screwed over. And I I do agree with that, that, you know, these new prospective owners were promised that there would be it would be an owner friendly system with this new collective bargaining agreement. Now, that doesn't mean you want the players to get screwed over. But at the same time, these owners forked out a lot of money, have put a lot of renovations into this, into their team, into their, you know, in general, their facilities. They also deserve a cut of the pie. And that's what it's going to come down to. Can they work it out? Um, it's going to drag on for a while. It's the same thing I think we said about the NFL. Uh, The NFL does look like it's getting closer and closer to ending that lockout. But at the same time, this is going to go on. This is week one of the lockout. Get ready to talk about this all the way until, jeez, I don't know, September? You know, October at least? I mean, you got Kevin Durant even saying he didn't know the collective bargaining agreement expired. He didn't even know. He didn't have a clue. And that shows you just uh, how much the players are really involved. So uh, we are going to move on, though, real fast. Uh, again, we'll be keeping tabs on that. It's going to be going on for a while. So uh, nothing lost with moving on right now. But uh, actually, Megan, do you want to do your NASCAR thing right now?
1: Sure.
2: I just need a drink of water, so I figured if you want to <laughs> okay. do NASCAR.
1: Um, give me like two seconds. All right. So we have NASCAR and it was in Daytona, again, where they started. Um, I mean, I, I see his name is David Reagan. You said Regan. I said Regan. So if anybody wants to correct us, um, a.k.a. Alex, who I know is listening because he's like NASCAR freak.
2: I mean, I don't know. It's, <laughs> so I I'm don't saying and,
1: um So we had David Regan, uh, Matt Kenseth, Joey Logano, Casey Kane, Kyle Bush, Jeff Gordon, Kevin Harvick, Paul Menard, Juan Pablo Montoya.
2: Guy, I love Montoya.
1: And A.J. Almendinger. Um, in the top ten. And actually, I was informed that, uh, Junior, uh, Jimmy Johnson and Jeff Gordon crashed in the last few laps. Oh, really? Um, actually, I was reading an article, too. They changed the wild card for, um, the last two, uh, whatever, the last two, <laughs> Um, last playoff, two races, yeah, the last two like playoffs or whatever, if, I guess if that's what you want to call it, they changed the wild card for it this year. okay, and it awards the final two playoff spots to drivers with the most wins between eleventh and twentieth in points.
2: Okay, that's pretty cool.
1: And so basically they were just going through this whole scenario like they were saying a playoff started today, Regan at seventeenth would be in virtue of his first career sprint come victory on Saturday. Denny Hamlin eleventh eleventh in points would hold the other wild card spot thanks to his win at Michigan. So basically it's like what they're looking at right now is between the eleventh and the twentieth spot, they're like, Who has the most wins? And most of them I guess only have like one.
2: Just one win. Yeah.
1: And so then they're going through like someone's at twenty second, only like twelve points behind this person so they could be in it and blah blah blah. And like and I guess uh Dale Earnhardt Junior was just furious. He thinks this whole thing is just
2: thing's a joke. I like I I gotta do some more reading about that, a little history on it.
1: Yeah, and that's what the other thing he was saying too is the tandem. Um, you know the tandem, the tandem the racing pu- yeah, they've been doing the pushing or whatever yes yep. he's absolutely he thinks it's ridiculous the
2: bump traffic yeah
1: he thinks it's just messing everything up and then the new whole thing but yeah I mean that's that's pretty much what's going on right now that's the biggest thing um, nothing's up on NASCAR for the results I didn't get to catch the race so um just David Regan's your winner he had a couple crashes you know the big guys and that's about all I know.
2: Uh, exciting NASCAR.
1: Exciting NASCAR.
2: Scotty, very exciting. Uh, but, oh, thank you very much for that. Uh, we're gonna get to the Wings real fast. Uh, the Red Wings making a lot of moves uh, this past weekend. Uh, you know, we've been talked. We talked about it before on the show. No defenseman. Uh, they did sign Nick Lindstrom uh, about a week and a half ago. Uh, Brian Rafalski retiring though. Uh, really, you know, put a crimp. And at this time, we not signed Erickson. We not re-signed Eves or anybody. We had a lot of guys up in the air did not know what the, where this team was headed uh, but they did re-sign Jonathan Erickson a big defenseman. Uh, we signed him to a three-year contract. They haven't given a, given a monetary amount yet but they're saying it'll be roughly worth about $10 million total um, After that, the Wings did sign Mike Commodore to a one-year contract for $1 million. He is uh, from the Columbus Blue Jackets and they also signed Ian White, uh, a good defenseman as well, two-year contract worth $5.85 million So now we have nine NHL-worthy defenseman on the Wings roster. Um, Like I said, uh, you got Nick Lindstrom, now you have Nicholas Cronwall still, Brad Stewart, Jonathan Erickson, Jacob Kindle, Brendan Smith, and Doug Yannick on the blue line. So uh, good job by Ken Holland. Um, I think they did a really good job in not going out and spending a lot of money for one big name, but I think they got a number of different guys that have You know, different skill sets that I think could probably play very well together. Uh, They did also re-sign forwards Drew Miller and Patrick Eves before they became free uh, agents. So the Wings really have shored up most of their positions. Um, The one thing that the Wings are still debating, they still don't know if they want to re-sign Chris Osgood and that is something they're not sure about at this time. Um, you know, Obviously, Jimmy Howard is our guy, but Osgood, who is now 38 years old, injured a lot of last season with that groin injury, they don't know if they want to go in a different direction. Uh, James, looking at who they have signed, Ian White, Mike Commodore, re-signing guys like Erickson, uh, you know, bringing out Eves Miller,
3: do you think they did a good job? I do. I think they did a good job with what they had on the table. There was a lot of uh, early signings for... Big money. I mean money we could not really compete with while picking up more than one or two pieces. Yes. Um, there's still some names out on the table. Uh goaltender, I feel like we could definitely find somebody in free agency that is gonna provide for us in the near future. I just don't think that Osgood is our guy right now. He he's he's old, he's uh, he's injured. I'm sure the confidence isn't completely there. I feel like um we got a pretty youthful team. We need to uh find somebody a little younger, that can get it done. Um, but I, I think that with all the free agency, that we did a pretty good job. Definitely.
2: No, I think I think they did a great job. I mean, they didn't spend a lot of money at all. You get Commodore for a million bucks. You get Ian White, who has, he's done a really good job out there in San Jose for, you know, $5.85 million for two years. Not that bad at all. You know, re-sign a young guy like Erickson, who's, you know, a big guy that I think didn't play as well as his potential this season, but... Can still do better. I agree with you on Osgood. I love Ozzie. This is a guy that's been with us for a long time. You know, left us, came back, but there there comes a point where your body just breaks down too much. And I think with that groin injury, we kept being we kept being told last year that he was coming back, but then he wasn't. Um, He just he is not healing. He's thirty eight. You don't heal the same way, and you don't come back from that the same way. And Jimmy Howard, even though he's young, and he played, in my opinion, a fantastic. Uh, year last year, especially even in the playoffs without a ton of, you know, uh, goal support, you need somebody backing him up. They need to make some type of move there. I don't think Joey McDonald is necessarily you want as your main backup. Mm. I don't think you want Joey McDonald as that. So hopefully they can go out find somebody else because um, they do need, I think they need to make that decision as well as Chris Draper. He is a free agent and I love Draper. Draper's been with us ever since, you know, the beginning practically. But again, once you get to a certain age, there's just not a spot for you. That's what it is.
3: I would, I would, re, I would resign
2: Draper personally. I don't know. What, what are you going to pay him in? You know, league hot league and one. cold patches. I mean, no, league
3: minimum. Give him the league, league minimum. 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 Know, I'm
2: just kidding. No, of course you give him like as little as possible. But if there's a spot for him, I guess fine. But if not, then you gotta let him go. But uh, looking at uh, you know a guy that we've been talking about the last three weeks, Yamer Yager. Where is he going to go? Is he going to go to the Penguins or the Wings. I well, guess what? He doesn't go to either of them. Um, the team that, obviously, no one had even mentioned. No one had talked about it at all. Uh, he fla- he signed with the Philadelphia Flyers. So, Jaromir Yager signed a one-year deal worth $3.3 3 million. And uh, he's going to be playing on the uh, Atlantic Division Winners Philadelphia Flyers team. Uh, the Flyers also signing Maxime Talbot. Uh, Maxime Talbot, who, uh, you know, has played, he played with the Penguins. He got a five-year deal worth $9 million. So, uh, Peng- uh, the Flyers really... Uh, Sign in some guys. Do uh, you think uh, Yawmer Yager made a good decision, James? I, mean, I, I think
3: personally he did make a good decision. Um, he made a lot of people angry, though. Uh, he was uh, – you think he made been, more people angry probably in Pittsburgh? Yeah, that's than, what yes. I was going to okay, say. Okay, yes. yeah. He, he made a lot of people angry in Pittsburgh um, due to the fact that he spent a lot of his career there. They kind of expected him to re-sign. I think but so. From what I've read, that uh, they just kind of expected him to do too much. Um and i don't feel like it was ex- expectations that were that were worthy um and the philadelphia flyers just said you know we're going to we're going to put an offer on the table you can't turn it down and and he couldn't turn it down Oh well,
2: yeah i mean i'm not upset by it like i said i think it would have been kind of cool to see him in a red wings jersey but whatever we're not going to pay we always said we're going to pay him 2 million max that's all we would give him he's getting 3.3 good for him whatever yeah you know enjoy your time in philly um i don't really like the flyers so i'm rude against you but uh I guess I'll root for Yager, I guess, in a sense. But um, it's not like we even play the East much at all. So we're not going to see much of him. Uh, so do you guys like hot dogs? Yeah. I mean, you guys like hot dogs? Yeah, I guess. You guess so?
3: Yeah.
2: Okay, well, uh, Joey Chestnut really likes hot dogs. And uh, Joey Chestnut, as usual, they have the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest every year. And uh, it seems to never be a surprise anymore. Every year, Joey Chestnut seems to win it. Uh, Joey Chestnut won his fifth straight nation's title. Guess how many hot dogs he ate in 10 minutes. I don't
1: even want to know. 10 minutes.
2: 35. Nope, higher. Oh, 70. Goodness. 62 hot dogs Ooh, that's close. in 10 minutes. Damn. Whew, that is brutal. That is ridiculous. I don't know how the man does it. Uh, the guy who used to be uh, Kobayashi, I think we all remember him. He used to be, you know, he's a six-time champ. Um, you know, of the same competition, um, he did not compete in it. Um, he did not compete in it because he does—he will not sign a contract with the major league eating industry. It's the MLE. It's the same deal as the NFL, I guess. It's the major league eating—that's what it's called. Uh, he won't sign a contract with them, so he can't compete uh, in this. Uh, basically, uh, yeah, Kobayashi, he does have the world record at, um, no, wait, no, he, well, he says he scarfed down 69 dogs, it says here, but, uh, Chestnut's world record is 68 in 2009. I think it's a, f- it's a stupid thing they do, but. Uh,
1: have you ever watched how they, like, before the whole thing happens?
2: I don't think before, no.
1: Okay, well, they always do this thing, like, right before they all start, like, eating or whatever, okay. in their competition, and they go through the training process. With, like, a couple of the top contenders. And what they do for weeks and and weeks. Yeah, what they do and what their diet is and, uh, like, what they do at home, how much they work out, like, all that kind of stuff. And it's kind of interesting because I think one year I actually watched it all the way through. I I think I
2: watched it one year, too.
1: or I watched a replay at night, like, the night of the 4th or something like that. Um, They actually replay that. But, yeah, and they were just showing it, and it's just the most ridiculous thing. They're like, yeah, we work out, like... Five times a day, we eat like 2,500 calories. And I'm like, holy cow, you guys eat a lot.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's tough to train. It is an impressive accomplishment. Uh, real fast, Joey Chestnut commented on Kobayashi saying, uh, quote, It wasn't a competition. It was just him eating. I've done 71 in practice by myself. It's a choice not to be here. He could have signed the same contract he signed three years ago. It's a sad thing that he thinks he's Kobe Bryant. This is competitive eating. It's supposed to be fun, end quote. I like I that. Agree. It's true. Kobayashi's acting like he's Pacquiao out here. It's like, listen, you're eating hot dogs once a year, and Joey Chestnut has won 10 grand five years in a row. That's so what you get 10 grand for. It. Anyone can do
3: it, really. But, you know, I mean, come on.
1: Is it a sport? This, this comes from. There's a question.
3: Is it a sport? This, is, this comes from the same guy that acted a fool on live television, jumping all over the stage. Jumping all over the stage, yep. I mean. You didn't on. do that this year.
1: Yeah. But, but no, is it a sport at all? Sport? Do you consider
3: that a sport?
1: Do you consider it a sport? I just think it's a competition. Yeah. I think that's all it is, is a competition, and it's not a sport. And I think he's treating it like it's It's a sport. It's competitive eating, not sport. not a sport.
3: I agree. Uh,
2: real fast, uh, Wimbledon uh, news. Uh, the men's final took place here on Sunday. Uh, Rafael Nadal was playing Novak Djokovic um, in a match I wish I could have seen, but I was busy. Could not uh, watch it. Um, Novak Djokovic uh, defeated uh, defending champion Rafael Nadal 6-4, 6-1, 1-6, 6-3. So it was a four-setter. Uh, uh, Novak Djokovic won the first two sets quite handily. Uh, Nadal did really give him a test in the third set. Uh, Nadal won it uh, quite easily. Won 6-1, uh, to one but Novak Djokovic held on, won it, and uh, congratulations to Novak Djokovic there. That will put him to the number one ranking in the world. Um, he had won 41 consecutive matches before losing, um, excuse me, he won 43 consecutive matches before losing to Roger Federer in the semifinals in the French Open, but he's a 48-1 and record in 2011, which is absolutely phenomenal. The man's lost once, and that's to Federer. In this calendar year of tennis, so congratulations to him, uh, Nadal, who has won the 2008 and 2010 Wimbledon champion. Champion says, "quote He played better than me. For that reason, he is the champion here." End quote. Uh, Nadal, who does have ten majors total, uh, six behind the all-time leader in Roger Federer, who has sixteen. Federer, who got bounced out of the uh, of the tournament by uh, Sanga uh, in the quarterfinals uh, earlier this past week. So, uh, good job, uh, good job by, uh, Djokovic on winning that. He's a young kid. He's a lot of fun to watch. I'm um, good at really good at tennis, so congratulations to him. Real fast on the women's side of the draw, Maria Sharapova face off against Petra Nitva, and uh, uh, Petra won. She won her first Grand Slam title, winning in straight sets, six three six four against Maria Sharapova. I think a name a lot of us remember. She uh, won uh, her first Wimbledon title back in two thousand and four when she was only seventeen years old against Serena uh, Serena Williams. Uh, she has also won the two thousand and six U.S. Open and the two thousand and eight Australian Open, but uh, has struggled. Uh, she has three and two in all-time Grand Slam finals now, so uh, congratulations to Petra. Um, you know, getting it uh, getting it done over Sharapova. But I got some fun facts. I want to do them. Do them. Fourth of July fun facts, because yes. it's Fourth of July, so it's gonna we gotta have some fun stuff, right? For sure. <laughs> All right, computer. Computer's being goofy. All right, here we go. Mm-hmm. More than seventy-four million Americans will barbecue today. Not only that, but 155 million hot dogs will be eaten 1 million by Joey Chestnut by the end of the day. Uh, let's see, what else? Guess, okay, top five holidays for beer sales. What do you guys think's number one?
3: Super Bowl. Super. Super that's Bowl not a holiday.
2: holiday. That's a holiday a to Bowl football holiday. fans. Hmm. I'm talking a technical actual holiday. New Year's. New Year's? No. Uh, that
1: would be champagne, wouldn't it? Probably. Mm. Um... Oh my gosh! Uh, I would it?
3: say you got to
2: be Fourth of July. There we go. I mean, I thought some. Of them. I guess the holiday it is today. Yes, Fourth of <laughs> July is number one. Um, Labor Day is number two. Um, after that, Memorial Day, Father's Day, and Christmas. Super Bowl's a holiday in my book.
3: Just so <laughs> Super knows. Bowl's holiday in your book? Yes, it
2: is. Okay, not it's too my bad. Most
3: important one.
2: Sixty point three million cases of beer will be sold today. It's a lot of beer. I would say so. Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> without a doubt, but uh. Let's see about some of these other uh, goofy stats they got going on here. $111 million will be spent on popsicles today. Um, $94 million will be spent on lighter fluid. Hmm. $600 million takes the cake for spending on the 4th of July. <coughs> excuse me. $600 million. Hmm. A lot of money. A lot of money. Other than that, basically, uh, you know, uh, restaurants, $193 million. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me, keep coughing here. Sounded like an old man. Uh, And also, just to round it out, dips. $63 million will be spent on potato chip dip. So people really going all out today on the 4th of July. Again, I hope everyone's having a really safe 4th of July out there. Um, It's a gorgeous day, around 80 degrees. Again, I hope everyone's having a great time with their family and friends at the beach, whatever they are doing. But uh, up next, uh, we have the Asian Invasion. I want to thank James again for coming on the show. Thank you very Megan, much. Megan, as always, me. a pleasure to have you on the show. Well, yeah. And um, Well, yeah, <laughs> of course. And, um, yeah, we'll definitely have another show next week. So at 7 to 8 p.m. tomorrow, um, next uh, on the 11th of July, we'll definitely be getting into the All-Star Game a lot more then. And whatever else goes on here in the sports world, for everyone here at The Impact and the Spartan Sports Wrap, my name is Dave Rankiu. I'm
3: Megan. I'm James.
2: You guys have a good day out there. Listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure.
1: Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis.
2: Here and only here on Impact 89 FM.